Before the reading of our two prescribed lectionary readings for this first Sunday of Advent, I'd like to offer a few listening points. First, in our passage from the Old Testament, we hear describe the kind of world which the prophet Isaiah envisioned with the coming of the promised Messiah. Now, with Thanksgiving being so late, and today being the first day of December, the Advent season, I'm sure this holiday weekend has included, in addition to the making of some turkey soup, also some frantic decorating for the season, which is now suddenly upon us. I am, I am confident that, in my belief, that Isaiah's picture of a whole new world, mystically altered by the avatar of God, you catch Jeopardy final answer on Thanksgiving night, got some nodding heads. Avatar was the answer. The avatar of God, the incarnation of God, doesn't necessarily include glittering ornaments on a Christmas tree, shimmering tinsel and white lights, candles and other knickknacks all around the house, Christmas hand towels and placemats. All of that, of course, is very nice, but certainly not a necessity to properly welcome God coming into the world. No, Isaiah's picture of a world transformed by the coming Messiah is just a tad bit more radical, filled with hope for a world at peace. And then in our New Testament lesson, the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Romans, with just a bit of cockeyed optimism, I think, continues this theme of hopefulness when he declares, and I quote, the night is far gone, the day is near. And then he encourages the early Christians to lay aside the works of darkness and to put on that armor of light. And so we begin this Advent season, as we do each year, on a hopeful note, even though darkness and even a little chaos now and then, do not seem to be so far gone in our lives and from our world, but sometimes a dark reality. Sometimes we are a people who walk in the darkness of life, awaiting that great light of hope which has been promised to us. Let us now listen for that promise of light and hope which God has offered us. From the prophet Isaiah, the word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord house, Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war 
anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And from the book of Romans, Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in drunkenness, nor in debauchery, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. May God bless our understanding of these readings. Alexa. Alexa. Well, you had to be there. As Yogi Bear once said, is this deja vu all over again? No worries for those who weren't here last week. It was Siri, Siri. But I'm not going to repeat last week's sermon. But I don't make the news. I just report the news. And as George Washington once said, I cannot tell a lie. So I'm driving this past week and listening to NPR radio. You know that Marketplace segment with David Brancaccio? I think it was on Tuesday morning. They report that Alexa now has the ability to share her feelings. That's right, Alexa might tell you on a day when she's feeling sad or feeling happy, feeling out of sorts, having feelings any of us more human-like creatures might have. Now I would venture to guess that a few of us here this morning might be feeling a little bit out of sorts or a bit concerned that it is indeed the first day of December. We're the ones with two small pumpkins still as the centerpiece <laughs> on our tables. We're the ones who haven't a clue what lovely handmade Christmas gift we should be sending out to those relatives who live so many mail days away. While the Advent and Christmas season has caught many of us by surprise, the holiday challenges remain the same. Obtaining that perfectly shaped, fresh cut tree, the possibility of getting those Christmas cards out before Valentine's Day, <laughs> Finding time for that Norman Rockwell-type family experience of baking and cookie decorating. And all of this to occur with each of these experiences resembling more a picture of peace and serenity than one of chaotic holiday bedlam. The pressure cooker nature of this often elusive yet wonderful season of Advent and Christmas is point, poignantly captured in these one-liners. Anyone who doesn't think Christmas lasts all year long doesn't have a charge card. Christmas is when Santa comes down the chimney and your save, savings go down the drain. 
Nothing destroys the Christmas spirit faster than looking for a parking place. And then what most mothers want for Christmas is the day after. It was just a few years ago that I asked my mom what she remembered most about Christmas, and her reply was, feeling tired. <laughs> I felt so bad, but I guess that's what having four children born in six years does to a mom. God bless moms at Christmas time. God bless dads too. And unfortunately, the stress producers that make us so tired can include more than just the superficial, momentary demands of these holiday preparations. The season's much hoped for peace and serenity can be dashed by the unexpected tension from the visits of estranged family members, or the drinking problem that increases during the holiday cheer, the sadness of a first Christmas without a loved one, the personal anxiety of a year, new year looming with unemployment concerns or looming with continued treatments for an illness or a disease. Yes, the Advent and Christmas season is a wonderful time of the year, and yet the frantic and often frenetic pace of preparing for the coming of the Prince of Peace and the very real troubles of our lives seem at odds with the real meaning of Christmas, born on a silent night when all is calm, a calm which is found in that little town of Bethlehem. This year, as with any year, I imagine we will all wonder as we wander through the season. And in our Advent and Christmas wanderings, will we see the great light as we sometimes dwell in a land, or in a life, or in a world, still feel filled with deep darkness. Will we feel the promised calm this year? Will we find the promised peace? Will we believe the promise of hope? And will the light really shine in our darkness, and even in the land of the shadow of death? I think very few of us would use words like stillness or silence and calm to describe 21st century Advent activities. Bedlam would perhaps be more fitting. Bedlam, bedlam seems to be the near-perfect word to describe what has been occurring in our world in recent days and weeks. First, this, we had this busy weekend of holiday travel with more than the normal expected bedlams and airports with the weather-induced delays, Amtrak train stations described in one news report as mass mayhem, and according to some news accounts, there was a bedlam on Friday morning for those doorbuster sales. But each and every day, bedlam is found in so many, many other places as well. Bedlam is found in our bodies as we fight illness, old age, or depression. Bedlam is found in communities all across our nation where the threat of gun violence has become a normal part of our school culture. Bedlam occurs when in more than a dozen countries around the world, competing world views are confronting one another on the streets. 
and bedlam can break down in our lives when the stresses and strains of daily living are pushed to the limit by some family crisis or tragedy. None of these are very hopeful pictures of that calm and peace that we want at this time of year. These are not pictures of a wolf lying down with a lamb in peace and harmony. These are not pictures of light and day, but rather of darkness and night. Pause for a moment. Perhaps some of you know this, but are you aware of the origins of the word bedlam? If you haven't heard it, it's elucidating. It was in 14th century England, in London to be precise, that a priory for the Order of the Star of Bethlehem began to take in medical patients. And this place of healing in 14th century London was called Bethlehem Hospital. Later, as patients with mental disorders were taken into Bethlehem Hospital, and it became known as the Lunatic Asylum in London. Over the years, the word Bethlehem was shortened and slurred to form the word Bedlam. Consequently, the word Bedlam has come to mean any up wild uproar or confusion. That is the history of the word Bedlam. Therefore, to reach the promised peace and calm at Christmas, it appears that we too make a journey from Bedlam to Bethlehem. To reach that promised hope of Christmas, we too must journey through the stress, through the anxiety, through the madness, through the wild uproar of shopping and decorating of Advent, and through the wild uproar and confusion of our world. MapQuest and Waze, or any other internet program for finding directions, cannot alter the basic fact of life. To reach Bethlehem, we must journey through Bedlam. No shortcuts. One Christmas, a mother and their daughter, dressed in shabby clothes, were walking along a main street in a city area, and they came to a big down, downtown department store window, beautifully, lavishly decorated for the holiday season. With wide eyes, they were especially admiring the Bethlehem manger scene. It was a life-size scene with wise men, their lavish gifts, Mary and Joseph, and of course, the Christ child. The little girl kept staring at the face of Mary, that white, rosy cheek face, so pure, so gentle, so mild. But then finally, the little girl said, she's so beautiful, but she doesn't know the pain and trouble we have. God came down at Christmas to save that little girl and to say to each of us that God does know the trouble of this world. God knows our pain and our struggles. God knows our stresses and our strains. God knows the bedlam that we sometimes face in our own lives. God came down at Christmas to give us a hope that we can move through the bedlam of our lives and the bedlam of our world to that new world of peace and love. 
And so, friends, as we move through this hectic but wonderful Advent season, let us find moments when we leave, if only for a short, short time, the bedlam of the season. Let us travel to Bethlehem. Let us go to Bethlehem and see him whose birth the angels sing. Let us leave the anxiety, leave the tension, leave the stress, leave the worry. Let us leave the bedlam. Let us go to Bethlehem.